Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, episode 332 in the house today. We're going to have the amazing uh, co-founder of Utah Girls Football League, Chris Sacco, in the house, talking everything about 2020, what happened in the league, the growth of the league, the potential expansion of the of the league, and also the support system for other leagues in other states. So she'll be here in, in the house in the No Joke Football Huddle in about 15 minutes. Uh, big news coming out of the hub. So if you're at the hub, at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Pretty much know the bombshell news. XFL was purchased by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia and company. Uh, they are going to be taking over the structure of the league for 2021. The purchase was made for about $15 million. Uh, really good sign there. Um, some of my tidbit sources are telling me this has to do with obviously Vince McMahon and the WWE in some combination of support, um, but it's great news for them. Um, you know, Dwayne Johnson makes big-time money, probably $20 million a movie, so this is literally nothing of a situation where he's going to, you know, hopefully he makes more money than he, that he loses money. But um, the news was brought out this week, uh, and that was a bombshell on Monday uh, for Monday Motivation, XFL, bought by uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and Danny Garcia. Danny's been involved with uh, Dwayne Johnson, you know, with their relationship and another, uh, other avenues in terms of entertainment and in terms of just, you know, uh, other businesses. So it's a good sign for both of them as a partnership. They've always had good relationships. So it, it, this is a good for the X-League, uh, the return of spring football, uh, maybe February, March, April, as it was planned originally. Uh, the old X, uh, uh, XFL had already established broadcasting rights. Some of the things that were in place for this acquisition gives them the opportunity to kind of revive those things and uh, go forward and make a stronger league with more structure. Uh, Dwayne, I'm pretty sure you know, he know he's pretty football savvy. Uh, and uh, Danny's pretty creative in terms of administrative and acquisitions. So there's, uh, you know, at this point, the hope is that they will be very successful given their background with what they've done in the past, and this should be no different. So that votes well for uh, anybody that wants to play in, not in the Canadian Football League, not in overseas in Europe, or if they don't, if can't make an NFL roster, this is an opportunity for the XFL to stand on its own. So great news coming out of the XFL, uh, $15 million by Dwayne of the Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia. Historic moment for Danny Garcia, given the fact this is uh, one of the w- first women probably to own a uh, men's pro football league as a co- co-founder and co-owner. And that's going to be awesome to see how she evolves the league with Dwayne and everybody else around her in terms of Redbird, uh, Redbird Capital and how that's going to expand, if they're going to expand the league or are going to keep the same franchises they had previously just to make a strong um, 
stronghold. So we'll see how that goes um, and how that comes about. Uh, the other news was Jim Messenger stepping down from the Great Britain Lions program, one of the uh, pioneers of women's American football in the United Kingdom. Um, the coach was instrumental in bringing in flag football as well as putting and instituting the national program that is in place now and uh, contributing to the growth of the uh, British American Football Association women's uh, tackle football side of things. Um, and, you know, it's just been a long laboring of eight years. Uh, a lot of gratitude and thank you to Jim Messenger for his uh, excellent work that he's done with the Great Britain program to put them on the uh, world stage, a very prominent program in the IFAB Euro Championships, including a very uh, great showing at the IFAB World Championships, Coover in 2017. Um, so he will be missed. His leadership will be missed. But, uh, you know, we can only be uh, thankful for his contributions to the sport, growing the sport in, the, in Great Britain, and obviously giving it a spotlight and putting it on the, on the international map. So, you know, shout out to Jim Messenger. Uh, also, you know, one of the most best, uh, one of the teams that is best known in the Great Britain uh, scene is obviously the Birmingham Lions, which is uh, instrumental in building that team up to what it is today. So we're, uh, we're thankful for Jim Messenger. He's moving on, but really appreciate all the hard work that he did in eight years of bringing attention to the sport, putting it on the map in UK, and uh, contrib the contributions that he brought to everything that is now in place for women's tackle football to be moving forward in the United Kingdom. So shout out to Jim Messenger for his uh, amazing work. Um, the other uh, thing that's happening at the Hub, you talked about a women's career in forum, uh, in football forum, which was started uh, back uh, uh, about four or five years ago from Sam Rappaport, and now it's being managed be between Sam Rappaport and Vanessa Hutchinson. Uh, a really instrumental program that has allowed a lot of players to uh, attach themselves to NFL teams in different positions and different uh, avenues of capacity. Uh, obviously, most notably, uh, you know, Lori Locust in Tampa Bay, uh, Jennifer uh, Branson in Cleveland, and obviously Katie Sowers in San Francisco, um, and a bunch of other, uh, you know, journalists, uh, administrative people, as well as scouts. So they've done a great job with it. It's a great program that has uh, been in place as a staple to get into the league and get your foot in and then obviously grow from there. So shout out to uh, Sam Rappaport and Vanessa Hutchinson. You guys can get the details and the uh, coverage there by SI.com on the uh, instrumental program that has been put in place, obviously, for getting uh, women the opportunity to participate in the NFL seen uh, in different capacities. Shout out, shout out to them as well. We have a little uh, recap by uh, week two of the Maple League. Week two of the Maple League happened uh, this weekend, and the Maple League is, uh, you know, just kicking off like normal. It's a short season this week, uh, or this year, I might say, uh, 2020, three weeks in, and then we get the semifinals, and then we'll get a final. So it's a very short season because of COVID-19, and in Finland, and uh, that is the Maple League top league. And after two weeks of the action, Helsinki Wolverines, the champions, still on top of the leaderboard at this point. And they, uh, they own it and have, they have not given up a point to all, all season. 
Um, so, you know, two-thirds of the, the regular season so far, teams have been, have played. So the, the weekend, this coming weekend, was really interesting in terms of what's going to happen down the road here in, uh, in terms of the series. Uh, we have basically a matchup maybe of Turku versus Helsinki going forward. But the Wolverines have started really strong, and they have put up a lot of yards, over 600 yards in two games. Uh, which with a good solid running game. So uh, after beating the Trojans uh, at this point, uh, Wolverines feel very confident that they're able to maybe put up another uh, championship on the board. Uh, there are a lot of carrying the ball with the combination of uh, Tuki Kusinen, 210 yards, Anna Mortola, 160 yards, and Kiri Kesahino, 131. Mortola, really good game against the Trojans. Um, and has done really good, averaging about 14 and a half yards per carry. So all in all, the games, uh, the the run game by the Wolverines, really a key to them winning. The defense has played really good, uh, giving up no points from the beginning, two weeks in now, uh, led by Tina Modenen, and then obviously uh, about 12 and a half tackles at this point. Kikander has scored eight and a half tackles in two games. Shanika's on our IG uh, profile page at Great Arm Beauties on IG. You should check it out. Uh, Mina Lettinen also has done really good um, in terms of what con- contributions to the Wolverines at this point. So statistically, they are a very good team. They have put up a lot of a lot of points, and it's showing in the standings, of course. Uh, when you go into Turku for the Trojans, ranked second right now in the Maple League, uh, they have stayed kind of close to them, but the champions still have a two-touchdown uh, lead in terms of the standings. Uh, in the opening round, Trojans knocked off uh, Tampere Saints with a 41-6 victory, a really good attack by Turku, um, led by Kia, uh, I'm sorry, Leah Kaslot, 130, 139 yards. That really gave them a good operating um, method in in the game. Uh, Hika Rakanonen also did really good in terms of the two games with 16 and a half tackles. Uh, also, Essie Satsimonian, who uh, arrived in Turkey from the Kopio uh, Steelers, so good in uh, second in tackles, 16 tackles. So the top two teams in the Maple League are these two teams, Wolverines and the Trojans. Uh, really interesting to see how that's going to come about. But this weekend, uh, Helsinki, team to zero, against Turku Trojans. Uh, the other game was the Tampere Saints in a rebound game, 13-6 to against the West Coast Phoenix. So last season, the Saints uh, were the Division I, uh, you know, victory in the, in, the, in the Maple Leaf, defeating the Turku Trojans in a tight game by one point. This year, they move up to this, this uh, Maple Leaf competition. So tough fight. Uh, they do get the, the win this weekend, 13-6. to uh, over the West Coast, and so uh, the Saints, led by Amelia Roddy, has made most of the uh, yards for them, 134 yards. Uh, Saya Paimaiki, uh second with 102 running yards in two games, and then uh, the uh, air attack, 157 yards plus one touchdown for Racky, uh, Amelia Racky, the quarterback. So they have done pretty well in terms of staying in competition third place, uh, defensively, they're led by Petra Poike, who's playing at linebacker with a, a ten and a half sacks, 
or tackles. And then Serena Forbin's balance, two matches, seven tackles. So the Saints defense has managed to basically stay at bay with about three picks, three interceptions within that time frame. Unfortunately, the Phoenix, West Coast Phoenix has not had the best of uh, results. Uh, they got shut out 37-0 to at the beginning of the season. They obviously are giving up a lot of points. Um, they're not uh, in tune with what, you know, the better teams are. Defensively, they have tried to keep the scores down with contributions by Jonah Varakana Korva and Minitsu Mina Harjulana, uh, both 15.5 tackles. So, uh, bright side for them in that sense. Uh, so, the the season is a short season. Like I said, the uh, Maple League final at this point will be awarded, uh, and it's going to be a battle probably between Helsinki Wolverines and the Turku Trojans who will fight it for the championship at this point. Uh, based on the after two weeks, the Saints and the Phoenix will play in the bronze match coming up. So the Maple the Maple Cup will be played on September 5th at our neutral site, and it's going to be La Perrera Sports Park and Espoo. And so we'll look forward to that as well. So we're looking forward to the, uh, the excitement this coming weekend for the semifinal matchup and then obviously going forward for the final. Looks like it's going to be Helsinki versus Turku, and that's probably what's going to happen at this point in the Maple League season. We'll dive into the Division One scope of things, and we'll dive into the IWFA Week 7 results uh, right after we have the No Joke Football Huddle with Chris Sacco of the Utah Girls. So we'll dive into that as well. You can always go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Korean Beauties. He said, like I said, you can get week two recap there of the Maple League, uh, courtesy of SAJL.FI, the official site of the uh, Finnish uh, American Football League. Um, we're also going to be diving into college football power five, independence, uh, five of the major colleges thinking of branching out and doing their own thing because of COVID instead of a nationwide type of scope, maybe a regional type of scope. And that was by SI.com as well. Um, and then congratulations to Holly Whiting. Whiting, uh, defensive back coach announced uh, in the BAFA with Hertfordshire Cheetahs. And so she's going to be the new defensive backs coach. So congratulations to Holly Whiting for her uh, upgrade and uh, new assignment as uh, coach of the defensive backs in the British American Football Association men's side of for Herefordshire Cheetahs. So if you miss anything during the week, the best place to go is at the Hub. The best network on the planet covering women's American football is at the Hub. We have done this for almost 10 years. We are the best on Twitter. The number one Twitter source for everything women's American football is on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty. Check out our galleries on IG at Gridiron Beauties, and then, like I said, always at the Facebook at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. If you missed uh, Born to Play, there is replays going on still, ESPN app, if you have it, ESPN Plus, and, of course, uh, you can get it on any major carrier. Uh, it's still up in most of the major carriers, depending on your area, who you have. But uh, Born to Play, highly recommended. Uh, the 2018 story of the WFA national champion Boston Renegades um, that was done by Vary Lieberman. So really, really instrumental, um, great documentary, and uh, highly recommended. So Born to Play, go ahead and get it on replays. 
uh, ESPN app, ESPN Plus, and any of your major sports carriers. Just look it up. Born to Play should be up there search, do, doing the search bars as well. Um, if you haven't gone to the, uh, the shop, the No Joke Football Shop, go to the shop. Save up to 25% off at the No Joke Football Shop. So make sure you go there. Use the daily codes. Save big. Get T-shirts, leggings, and everything else at the shop's uh, Zazzle's been our sponsor for almost eight years. They're the ones that keep this podcast on to bring awareness for women's American football. So support our sponsors. Go there. Buy a shirt. we got shirts under $20. Uh, get free shipping if you just subscribe to Zazzle Black. It's a one-time for a year, $10. So if you're in the, in the United States uh, domestically, it's a no-brainer. Hook up the $10. And if you come back to the shop to buy us, it's free shipping for 12 months. and get everything under $25. It helps us out bring awareness to the sport, and uh, brings attention to women's American football. So if you don't, haven't subscribed to our podcast, head on over to TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Googlecast, iHeart, Spotify. Uh, we're also on globalwomensportsradio.com. And as always, right here at the flagship at Block Talk Radio. So really, really appreciate you guys going to subscribe. Give us a high rating as well. It brings us up to the rankings in each podcast and on each platform. So make sure you share it, especially on Apple, Spotify, and iHeart, which is the three major platforms. The more we bring attention to the podcast, the more people are aware of women's American football and that it exists. And we bring attention, obviously, to all the major leagues internationally, including the main staple leagues in the United States, which is the uh, Women's National Football Conference, the WNFC, the WFLA, and, of course, the Women's Football Alliance. So check it out. Go there. Subscribe on TuneIn, Apple, Google Cast, iHeart, Spotify, and right here on the flagship at Block Talk Radio. All right, let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com, and we're going to be talking to Chris Sacco of the Utah Girls. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation, to the way we form, to the way we shine, expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We fall, we kill, we eat. Yes, hey, energy, emotion, play fast, play for each other. That's it. Let's go get it. Here we go. Four, two, three, two, three, four, 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 five, six, seven, eight, 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 I'm doing great as, my, as well. I hope you're COVID-free. You're not having any type yes. of quarantine and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's very nice being COVID-free. I'm just taking all the precautions necessary. So, um, Chris, I wanted to bring you on because such an exciting 2020 season for the Utah Girls uh, Football League program. And uh, even in COVID state, we had already anticipated no football and you guys were able to play football, so it was pretty awesome. It was awesome. I'm very grateful that we were able to, you know, have a season. And not not only – it was in the summer. It was fun. The kids were out of school. I felt like I, – I honestly want to have our seasons in the summer now, but we know it, it won't work out because of, you know, once parents – the kids get out of school, the parents usually go on vacations with their families. So we kind of lucked out this time because they couldn't really travel. Was this a, was this something that was actually a conversation with parents and, and the kids and stuff like that to have the season, or was this something that was just a, a, an alternate back, you know, B plan to have the season? 
So what ended up happening is they already went to fittings, like where they, you know, put the sides, the helmets and everything. And then right Mm -hmm. after that, I think it was like the week right after fittings, that's when we went into like lockdown and we had to, we're like, okay, we're going to start the season in two weeks. And then it just kept, oh, we're going to start it in two more weeks. And it just kept going. Um, And what we ended up doing is we just launched an email to the parents and we just said that, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sanitize the balls. We're going to make sure the coaches take their temperatures. We're going to do the best that we can to have the six feet rule. Like we literally just told them how, what was going to happen. And we ended up running an entire season. I don't think we lost very many girls because they were worried about getting it. And we didn't get any cases throughout the league, which is nice during the season. Chris, you think it's like the, the, the youth factor is more of a factor than maybe as the health professionals are saying that the, you know, the higher, the higher rate of catching the, the virus is like, you know, in that 40 to 60 range where it's not as prevalent with the youth. You think that maybe was a factor? I think that played a factor, but I really think that it's because we were outside and mm-hmm. when you're indoors, the germs fly, float around a little bit more. But when you're outside mm-hmm. in the sun, especially with COVID, there's, I don't know if it's a rumor, or if it's true facts, that the sun is supposed to help prevent it. So I think that played a big thing. And then also, if you think about it, the girls did have helmets on, but, you know, some wore their masks under their helmets. We really just did our best to maintain distance. Um, also, the parents, we ended up live we have live streams for our games so each player Mm -hmm. can only have two parents at the game so we made it to where we didn't have a lot of our fans show up they just had to watch us online I think that helped out a lot too and then they couldn't share food drinks you know Gatorade so there was a little bit of strict rules that with guidelines that you guys had to follow um, with protocols based on the state and everything else right Yes, and I think that helps prevent it. As for age, I do think it's more common in older people, but, you know, can get it just as much as we can. Um, so I, I think it's because Yeah, the only reason I bring it up is because there's not that much of a numbers factor in terms of, like, you know, the youth age group getting, you know, COVID in, in a lot of instances. So it's a, I guess it's a blessing in that way, you know, right, because uh, it's less prone yeah. in that age group. Yes, I think I believe you on that. And I I work with some doctors in my massage practice, and that's what they had mentioned. So it um, is more well, prone in uh, older people, but we have to take every precaution as if anybody sure, can get course. it. You know. No, right, exactly. I mean, we, we just gotta, you know, we gotta do our best to maintain uh, guides and you know do the do our part basically and. Uh, be mindful. You know what I mean? It's like it's like uh, most of my friends are nurses and doctors, and they're like, you got to treat this like it's some sort of severe flu, right? Stay away from people. Don't cough on people, and you know, wash your hands more thoroughly. Just be more mindful of, you know, cleanliness basically, and then understanding, um, you know, who's in your household that is more likely to, you know, to get in, infected at some point or things like that. Preventative care, in other words. Um, th- I don't. I know you're probably not familiar with what's going on outside of the, of the league with the high school situation, but it does look on the outside looking in 
that there is some progress being made, and then some of the states are obviously um, accommodating in some ways. They're getting to a point where maybe this is a reality going forward, um, given the fact that, you know, every other sport like basketball, soccer, and, and you know, has a girl's side of things. Um, I think maybe that's that's what we're starting to gray, uh, you know, get traction on, considering now we got flag and college football. So maybe that's going to be some of a benefit too. Yeah, I think even starting off doing flag and then, you know, really fighting for tackle football in the high schools and colleges is smart. But the thing is, is and I've told uh, Brent Gordon this, and he allows me to drop his name this way, I really feel it does start with the kids. There needs to be a program, more more girls' leagues, you know, between the ages of fifth to eighth grade in different states as well, besides just our state in Utah, because they need to be, they need that muscle memory. They need to, they need the repetition. They need to be, you know, it needs to happen. I feel like if we can launch that and then they can go right into high school, that would be awesome. Like that's my vision. And we have Brent and a lot of people here that are doing the title nine lawsuit and to fight for, girls football in their high schools and that's also an amazing start as well and maybe when it pops up in the high schools more youth leagues will pop up around the united states you think that that's the issue with the uh like the concussion on the other side because a lot of parents are going to you know because of the boys side participation has dropped on the boys side because of concussions early concussions and everything but i think the flag really is more of a benefit to your point if we get that going uh, it can eventually evolve into that tackle side. But flag's pretty exciting, too, because the opportunity is going to be for the girls to really play at that high level at high school and, and be very competitive uh, and then make a statement that, okay, that this is a game that we really want to, you know, bring on board for every high school. Yeah, I can. And I, I, I'm not against flag. So if people wanted to start off with flag in the high schools and colleges, and they're already doing it with youth, that would be really good for muscle memory. So I think repetition, muscle right. memory, and, you know, it, training the body on how to fall. Like, this is how you fall. This is how you protect your head mm-hmm. and your neck and, you know, all the, the safety parts of things. But they got to start younger so that way they're ready to step on the football field, you know, on that high level with high school and college. I, sh- I believe strongly with that, with gymnastics, swimming, with a- any sport. Mm-hmm. I think you should start your sport a little bit younger. Well, we have the opportunity. Now we got Liz Sowers, uh, Angelica Grayson into the into the college NAIA uh, scene. I think that's going to be a huge benefit in terms of you know getting a scholarship for the girls to go to to a major college and then play on that big platform like in, in any other sport, like softball as traditionally or basketball. So that's going to be a huge uplift, especially if, if you get a scholarship right. I mean, that's, that's, that's even a bonus. Yeah, that's going to help tremendously. So, and I'm very open to all of that. Like, and I think it's, it's neat how we have this league here in Utah and just to see how they grow, the girls grow and they learn the sport quickly and, and it really, I mean, when you watch them, it's just like, again, there's girls and boys basketball, girls and boys um, volleyball, I think. Well, I don't know. Is it soft? It shouldn't matter. Any gender should be able to play. 
Chris, do you see that a lot with the youth growth uh, of it? What's the feedback? Is it just the excitement internally that they give them the opportunity to play and the, the joy that they're hanging out with the, you know, other girls and they're playing football? They're not like they don't have to worry about, okay, we're on a, we're on a boy squad anymore. It's more like just a mingling mentality where they're comfortable within their own little uh, clique and circle. Yes, I I think that, that that's like the main thing, you know, they get to play with their friends. Also size, you know, they don't have to be stressed out by going up against somebody really big because as soon as boys hit, like, what, 7th, 8th grade, they're too big for the girls. Like, it's just, it's, it, it's, it works, but then the like girls get limited revolution, on huh? what positions. Yeah, they only get to play so many positions with the boys. So right. in skilled positions, it's, a, it's like a freedom for girls to be able to play against other girls, just like in women's football. Yeah. Um, what what have you taken away from the amount of time that this league's been put in place? I mean, do you, do you get a lot of hugs, get a lot of, uh, you know, emotional thank yous and, and things like that? Yeah, a lot of the parents and the coaches, and we get hugs, we get tears, we get angry parents at times, just like – in the boys' youth football, I mean, we can't make everybody happy. We're always, of course, if the other team loses, there's always going to be some, it's always going to be somebody's fault, you know. And, again, that's that's what happens in youth sports for the boys, too, especially youth football and hockey. I mean, the same thing happens in our league. We, we get a lot of everything, um, laughter, emotions, happiness, complaints, tears. Chris, is the character building something that uh, you guys are striving for? Because football builds character in a lot of ways, right? Because there's the emotion of losses, why we lost. Then there's emotions of win, why, you know, why things are clicking together and there's chemistry and all that stuff. Yeah, I believe it does build character and also the development, like just seeing the different, you know, like if somebody's never touched a football before and see how they – seeing how they improve, I think that's what gives a lot of the girls confidence. Not only that, um, they, they have more friends. I've had girls that were bullied in school. And as soon as they joined our league, like they become, they became less bullied because they learned how to like stand up for themselves. And, you know, their thought process was a little bit different. You know, they strategize more on how can I handle this instead of, you know, getting all upset over being bullied, I'm going to stand up and, you know, I'm going to say something because I know how to hit on the football field. So it's just like, it's stuff like that. I notice every day, you know, at practice and at, during the game. Chris, what do you say of the volunteers? Uh, everybody's volunteers, but what do you say of the coaches and everybody else that puts in the time, obviously to make this uh, an overall success for you guys? So our volunteers, they act like it's not an issue that they're volunteering. Like, we almost forget that there were, were that we're volunteers. Like we don't even, we almost forget that we're not even getting paid because we don't, you know, we want to put all the money into the girls and making sure they have mm-hmm. the right equipment and fields and stuff. So the coaches get a lot of joy. They show up because they show up for their daughters. They also show mm-hmm. up for their team and the fact that they get to coach and they get to coach for an amazing league where we're a little bit more open and we do teach. We our whole league is really classy. You know, we, we really – we do our best to follow the rules, and, you know, the coaches like that. And and it humbles them. 
It really does because they have to think. They're like, oh, well, I used to coach, you know, I coach the boys in the fall, but the girls in the spring, they they have to almost, it's almost like the girls teach them because they ask why. The girls will say, why do we run through that hole? Where when I coached the boys, it was like, we just, we're just going to run through the A gap. Like they don't think, so it's, it really puts a challenge for our male coaches and the female coaches. They love it. They, they, it's the same thing for them too. So the, the players are, are the, our teachers. That makes sense. Uh, Chris, do you ever, you ever get a, a chuckle? Like, you know, the male coaches, it, they feel like in, they're in a classroom <laughs> being questioned. Do any questions? Yeah. They have to be more thorough um, about, about the, you know, the, what do they call it? The curriculum? <laughs> Yeah, they do. Um, they, I, I get the, the coaches, they'll, you know, they'll laugh a little bit, but I think what happens is the coaches appreciate the girls cause they're eager to learn their, the girls didn't grow right. up playing football, especially in the older ones. So it's like, they're eager to learn. And I feel like it's easier for the guys to coach them. Um, and they do laugh, you know, if, if they, it, not really if they mess up, but it, it, uh, jokingly, I think yeah. it's if they overanalyze it. I, the and one I thing I gather from when I uh, a couple football, folks. So the one thing I get I gather from a couple folks is that they they get challenged uh, because some of the some coaches don't have daughters, and this gives them a, a, a better understanding about you know how to deal with nieces and cousins and things like that. So they get a better understanding in terms of the female mindset, you know. Yeah, I can see that. And I noticed the the male coaches are a little bit softer because there's some that came in there and they weren't. And we had to tell them, hey, these girls have never played football. You need to tone it mm-hmm. down a little bit. Like, so we so we have a coaches meeting at the beginning of each season, and we kind of we we talk to the coaches and we tell them that like, hey, this is new. You don't don't be too soft. You treat them like football players, especially once they step on that field. But you know you don't have to do scream at them and do all these intense drills and who hits the hardest type, you know, it just, it's all about the skills, like teach them, teach them football. I think that's the difference, right? With the, with the female mindset, because they're not looking to be, uh, you know, the strength mentality. I think they're looking more for the strategy. And a lot of the girls really understand that more thoroughly. Once they understand their assignments, once they understand the scheming, it becomes a second nature for them to kind of hook up with their best friend, depending on what they're doing in terms of the coaching scheme, right, or what uh, position they're playing. Uh, I've been told that, you know, that becomes more fun of a game, so this, the game becomes fun. Exactly. It, it, it does become fun. I agree with you on that. Chris, uh, there's a couple things that you posted on the page kind of interesting for us um sort of a you know send off in a way i guess if you, you know if you go to if you put it in a four-year high school mentality for the league um uh, a bunch of seniors right um you had posted up there i think uh sid sloth uh whitney cook maddie bracken uh ambria uh Kunkel, if i'm pronouncing it correctly um, yeah Kunkel. so some of these some of these girls i mean uh, i don't know if it's, it's gotta it's gotta bring you really good joy right yeah, I get the goosebumps. Even when you just read off their names, like I teared up and very emotional. Um, 
because they were the fifth and sixth graders in our league, and now they're graduating. One of them's getting her own apartment, and then when I saw them drive to the game and leave in their cars out of the parking lot, I was like, wait a minute. Those were our babies. They're not, like, it's just, it, wow. it gives us coaches a sense of, oh, my gosh. They played, they just got done playing, what, was it, this was our sixth season? So they played six mm-hmm. years of football. Six seasons. Yeah. And now they can go on to, like we were mentioning, like, you know, potentially, you know, flag football or hopefully if this lawsuit passes, you know, maybe they'll have the opportunity to, play um college I want to go all the way and I think like people like Liz Sowers and um Callie I think Callie Bronson there's I feel like they're they're the pioneers Samantha Rappaport and then our league like just everybody involved in our league like there's so many women out there that they're they're pushing for this it's incredible and these women that graduated yeah which is a good thing I mean the opportunities are so open now where you know, ten years, uh, eleven years ago, we didn't we didn't even think about that. I was telling Angelica Grayson, um, who's over in Kansas, you know, with Liz Sowers in that region with the NAIA. I was telling her it's like an, it's like we had a notepad and we starting to te- we're uh, actually starting to check off boxes. You know, you set up those goals. Now we're starting to check off boxes. You know, which is actually exciting. That's super exciting. I love it, and I I appreciate you guys, you know, following us and sharing our stuff. Well, of course. I mean, you guys, you guys are like instrumental part of it, you know, just like the Manitoba program up north in Canada. You know, we spotlight on that as well, and then the Capital Minor Football Association over in Edmonton. So, you know, there's there's just a bunch of programs in in North America that uh, are breeding grounds for what the future of women's tackle football is going to look like. Well, they and we need more because, like, when I go on TikTok and I put my video up of the girls playing football, there are mm-hmm. so many girls saying, I wish we had that in our state. I wish we had that in our state. We have to play with the boys. I quit the boys' team because, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in. And, oh, we wish, we wish, please bring it to our state. Like, you should see these emails that I get and text yeah. messages sometimes. And, oh, it's out of control. Like, it's, it makes me mad because I want to go out there and – help them start a program. But, Chris, you know what? You're such an instrumental part of this whole thing. It's got to bring you gratitude, right? The fact that we're building it stone by stone. You know what I mean? It's like we we want it to be a fire, but unfortunately we got to start the little branches of ambers, right? And this is where we're at right now, I think a little branch of amber. Yeah, we all have to – we all have to start – you know, from the bottom and just move up to the top. And it's happening, like, the more we come together. How proud are you uh, in terms of the growth up to this point, uh, the success of it so so far? Um, and, you know, just speak for yourself, like, how, how great is this? Uh, you, I, I'm pretty sure you sit back and once in a while and you kind of just, it blows your mind where we're at now, right, from where you started. Yeah, like what will happen is, so we started, you know, in 2015 with just 50 fifth and sixth graders, and now we're up to close to 600 girls. And so what happens is me and Brent and Jason and some of, and Sean, some of our board members will walk around. We're like, would you, would you just look at this? Like, (laughs) it's like what I'm always looking at the field, like what just happened? Like, 
especially during fittings when all the girls and the parents come in every season. I, I just get, I have so much gratitude for the numbers and it didn't surprise me. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that we were going to get these. You've been speaking about this since day one. I think I've interviewed you several times. And even in the beginning, you said, this is just going to take a little bit of time, but you, you even said the numbers were, were a non-factor and you were right. Yep. And I, I feel that it's just going to keep going and going. I mean, and we do, I would just love to see other states really, you know, kind of take this on. And I think that what scares other states to start a league is they get nervous, you know, about money and stuff. But if you, if you put your, you know, if you follow the steps, you can get sponsors. Right. There's definitely. And there's a way, a way to do it. I mean, there's uh, obviously with anything, there's a way to, um, you know, get everybody on board or get local you know, personnel to think about it and do it. Um, I, I really, you know, really appreciate you and the board and everybody, the co-founders and everybody for bringing attention to it. I know we get a lot of uh, messages as well. Like you get messages, but not as overwhelming when we post your stuff or share your, uh, your handle because of the fact, like you said, that people are kind of blown away that there's actually youth women's tackle football, which they would never think about that. Yeah, even the news when they interview us sometimes they're like they're like it's about time or they'll say and then sometimes they'll say why Utah and I'm like, "Well, why not?" Like this is just where where it happened <laughs> with that. Utah's such a a great uh supporter, remember? Uh I mean, even with the Falcons and they've always been very supportive in that state and there's a lot of laboring with the Falcons that was done, you know, with that process as well and so um you know and then obviously sam gordon and her parents and yourself and so there's a there's a lot of work that was put in to arrive where we're at now um which is instrumental and a lot of a lot of leagues we talked to uh, laura Cantu in texas and we talked to the group in georgia we talked to the group in, in indiana so there's a lot of uh, leagues uh, following your playbook in terms of how to be have a successful league too yeah, and I'm glad because it's all about just taking that first step. Even if you have to start small, that's what I told Indiana when they first started out. Like, I don't know if the same I don't know if the same guy's running it, but I remember he was nervous. He's like, "I'm not getting any interest in the 5th and 6th graders." I was like, "Well, what about junior high?" And that's where he got his first I think 50 players and he's like, "It's working." It's amazing. So, you got to start at one division and work your way, either you're going to work your way from the bottom up or you're going to work your way at the very top and then build at the lower scale, which makes sense, Well, right? we started with fifth and sixth graders, but I say, I say start where you're getting the most interest. So let's right. say there's a group of enough girls to, to form like six teams, and they let's just say they were in junior high or high school, just do it. Mm-hmm. And then you can start off offering the younger or whatever. We did it from the bottom up. Sure, and I think part of that too is because Sam was in the fifth and sixth grade, and we have right. we had her as the face of our league. So, and now there's other faces of our league, which is awesome. Like it's just kind of we're just meshing together. But that's how you start. You you got to start somewhere, even if it's just high school, junior high, or elementary. So with this COVID uh, situation that happened, uh, everybody was really uh, excited to have the season and. I think everybody was really appreciative. And 
a lot of the girls, if you go to the Utah Girls Football League uh, Facebook page and IG um, handle, you're going to get, get to see a lot of smiles on that on that page, right? Because there's a lot of uh, exciting uh, moments that happen during the season, and you got to crown um, three champions in each division as well. But everybody's pretty much happy with the season, whether you won or lost. Yeah, they are um, super happy, and the fact that they got to play during the summer, I mean, they couldn't, I mean, their work was limited, and they didn't have school, so football was really their escape this summer, and it showed on the football field. My team, for example, made it to the championship game, and that was the the quake, and we didn't win one game last year. We didn't even score a touchdown, and they made wow. it all the way up to the championship game. So we were the only we not Scott. Yeah, we lost the championship game, but at least we made it that far. You know, I think it was the drive of being able to play and they really wanted it. What an improvement from one year to the next, right? I mean the the potential and everything else. It was awesome. I was in tears. <laughs> you should be in tears. It was real it was yeah. fun, right? It was like a joy. To turn around, it's almost like when you see a an NFL team go from like you know a zero donut from the year before and make it to the Super Bowl. That's a huge accomplishment, and that means all these girls are putting in a lot of work. You know. Yeah, the girls and the coaches. I couldn't have done it without my you know Renica, who plays for the Falcons, and mm-hmm. Kenny. He was a new addition to the to the Quake team, and I was just so happy that they made it that far. Now, um, elementary school level is that still growing, or what is the what is the the percentage of like the higher uh, division? Is it you know which one is actually gaining more traction? In other words, my question. You know, junior high, middle school always has more girls, um, but this this year with elementary, I noticed more more girls. I don't think we had more teams, but I did notice the teams were the rosters were filled up more than they were the previous year. So that's good. That is really good. That means we're going to have, we can feed them into junior high and, and the high school. But I think if for the numbers, I think junior high is the most popular. And then high school. Which and then exc- does that excite you? The fact that we're getting into that penetration of junior high and then obviously the high school, right? It, it's just going to grow into that high school stage. Yes, it excites me. And, the, and that way we can keep the league going because we need, you know, we, the more the more we get starting from elementary and moving up, that means we're just. Is this similar to a, a YMCA? Is this similar in terms of scope, on a nonprofit level? Like if you know, like YMCA has certain summer camp programs. Do you think this is more of that type of program at this point, or is it a different program? Or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm off. Well, off, a little bit. We we, we kind of mimic a little bit of what the boys how they run their league. So. We split it up in schools. So if they're in Harriman, that's a Harriman High School. And mm-hmm. if they are, you know, we, with West Granite, it's West Granite High School or Utah County. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how the boys do it here in Utah. But I, YMCA, mm-hmm. I think they do it by, like, they could do it like that by eat where the YMCAs are located, I'm assuming. Right. Those are more, I think they might be a little bit more club teams where we're more of a league. Okay. That makes sense. Which I wanted to start out um, like that, and then Brent's like, "No, we're going to do a league. If I'm going to sign my daughter up, it's a league." I'm like, "Okay, good." Right. <laughs> Which makes sense. 
a lot, and then legally it probably makes sense more more sense than anything because you're kind of independent in a lot of ways. Um, yep. What what can you tell us that I that we haven't talked about? Something that new that we are not even aware of at this point. Uh, sorry, I'm like thinking. <laughs> so I think I covered most of everything really that I about, I think like, I covered, but yeah, sometimes I forget things. Yeah. I feel like um, I did mention, you know, like how my team, and I'm not saying it just because it's my team, but how they didn't win and they moved all the way up to the top. Um, mm-hmm. There is a team like the Harriman area. It would be really nice to be able a lot of teams have tried to beat, you know, Harriman and Mountain Ridge area. Like, so mm-hmm. in the league, we have like, we always have like four strong teams, you know, and it's just, again, it's like in every other league. And then we always, you know, want to challenge them. And it's interesting how each year it cha- it kind of shifts, except for the Harriman area. So um, I had one of my, I had like a, it's a lady that's kind of doing a little teeny series. I can't say who exactly, but she's doing a series on, on our, on my team and, you know, a few other teams and, oh my gosh, I don't remember where I was getting at with this, but she, she came out and she saw that too. And we, during the little interview, we were talking about how we were going to beat Harriman. Like it's a very competitive, I should say. So these girls really get into the competition of it. I think that's what I forgot to mention. Like they get, they get emotional. If they lose, they cry. Like it's, I, I feel like, I don't know what the boys do when they lose. I think they tear up too and they cry. So, and the coaches even cry or they get mad or upset. So I think it's the passion. They, they're, they really appreciate the, in In the the moment. moment, And then the fact that the fact that you gave it, you're all right. And it wasn't enough. Uh, you get that point where I, I know when I was, you know, doing coaching with soccer and stuff like that, I mean, 90 minutes and you get beat by a goal and it's like yeah. so devastating, right? Because you're just, you were trying to get that one goal and, and somehow you get nubbed for that one goal and you're done and you've put in so much yep. time and, you know, I mean, just the reflection of all the work basically. When I saw that on my girls' faces when they lost, cause it's like, you know, that, that last it's like that last half they just kind of mm-hmm. they just didn't you know they did what they could but it was it sucks that's all but that's what football is it's the nail biting you get so excited and there's always going to be the one team that doesn't win and the one team that does win and it could be just any little mistake it could be penalties that's what that's what killed us during that game yeah yeah um so there's so there's a disciplinary uh factor right we're like you got to go back to the drawing board and go we you know we just didn't play smart right you have to just put it back on yeah them they, as they, a collective you know it's just these little penalties and then of course we get upset because the refs may call more on one team and then sure. the other and then the parents get involved so i think the passion that's what i kind of left out a little bit and then another funny thing is the mom the team mom's going around with hand sanitizer literally dumping it in everybody's hands <laughs> i saw a lot of that <laughs> Just oh, it's always hey, you can't be overly protective, right? I mean, you gotta give them at least yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's like here, don't forget the sanitizer. You know, it was yeah. weird. And then the social distance. So the first day at the parents' meeting and practice, I was wondering why everybody was spread out. 
you know, and I knew about this COVID, but I didn't think about it for a second. And I was like, come huddle, come huddle. And they weren't listening. And I was getting so mad. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Oh, I bet everybody was staring at you. Apart. What is this What is this weird person wanting us to do? <laughs> well, you know, oh, changing the game know, plan. Kind of, oh, man, I was so mad because I was like, oh, I, that's why we can't get in our, our, our huddle, our circle. <laughs> that we do at the end of each practice or the beginning, yeah, you know, yeah. and I forgot the first time they, I was like, I was so mad because <laughs> we're not used to oh, that. My God. It, but it sounds like you're having fun. It sounds like you're enjoying the whole process. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that are very grateful to everything you put in, you know, your time and laboring and everything you've done. And uh, so, you know, we, we want from us, uh, you know, we just want to say, you know, Thank you for everything you do, put in the work. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of these girls are going to come back, you know, a couple of years older and they're going to come back and tell you the same thing. Maybe made a big difference in their life. Like you said, with interactions just by personal things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And friends and, yeah, you know, we've had some girls go through some trauma that they kept playing. Like one girl lost her dad. And that was really sad. Actually, two of our girls, our seniors, had lost their dad during our seasons. And that was wow. so tough. But they kept playing. They showed up the Saturday after and played their game. And we put stickers yeah, on I mean, the helmet well, and then put dad. And yeah. Oh, my God. Their dads. That's the thing. We all knew. We all know the personal relationships with the board members and parents. Like, yeah, yeah. it's really neat how they just, we just, we're all one big family. Yeah, I mean, and that's like oh. I said, that's a credit to you and the board members and every volunteer out there that, you know, is giving these girls such a great outlet, uh, not just to play football, but like you said, life skills in general. Yeah, and then Utah being a religious state, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I feel like every when we're all out there on the field, nobody judges. They don't judge the fact that I'm going through a transition. Maybe they do, but no, but not my football family. Like. They love me. They're like, what pronoun do you want to go by? Or, you know, if somebody else is transitioning or, or somebody else does this or that, like we're, we all come together. It doesn't matter the race, the sexuality, anything. We're just, it's like one big family. It doesn't matter what, what they do off the field. They can, they live their lives, but nobody judges. When we're on that football field, we're together. As one. So, uh, Chris, really you're neat. you're boiling it you're boiling it down to focus on the grass, right? And the mission at hand. Yep. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're coming in just for exactly. that purpose, which is good. Exactly. Which is really good. I see it. That's and the way it, and it, it humbles be. people. And they and then the girls feel accepted by their parents, by coaches. Yeah. Like it's it's neat. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I, I know I was trying to get you on. I know you're always busy and you got all your other stuff outside of, you know, the stuff that happens in the league. And I know you're always, you know, just hardworking and all that. And I really appreciate you uh, coming in making the time for us, kind of giving an update to uh, our average listener. I, and I've been doing this for a long time. And I, everybody always tells me, uh, you know, once a year, every year when we started, ever since then, everybody always messages me, hey, are you going to have like Chris on uh, to try to talk about, when, you know, Utah girls, football league and then given the fact that you did have a season you know everybody wanted to find out you know what happened during that season and things like that so i really appreciate you coming in and give us your insights and and give us your emotions and you know the insights of 
what's really happening with the program and the growth. Well, I appreciate you guys by, you know, helping us get out there, like everybody. Like, it's it's neat sharing our stuff and getting it out there and your your podcast. It, it's definitely appreciated. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. Uh, I really uh, just look forward to you guys and the excitement that you guys build every season. Uh, I mean, now it's, like, so exciting to kind of just keep an eye on because of the fact, like you said, you know, we got seniors going out got the next group coming in. It's kind of like keeping tabs on your kids as they're going through high school, you know? So it's really exciting moments. Yeah, especially when they graduate and they get their first apartment. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they were in fifth grade. Like, what happened? Where did these years go? <laughs> I can I can feel the years, by the way, Chris, because once you start piling up on that, you're like, hey, I'm 50 now. I used to be 40. You know I what know. I mean? They start, you start realizing like you're getting older, actually. <laughs> Even though you might not feel old, yeah, at some point the numbers start to rack up. They do. I can't believe we're on season six. It's it's incredible. So I really appreciate you coming on. I know uh, you're busy, like I said. So you know, shout out to the uh, the founders, the co-founders. Shout out to all the volunteers and the parents, and especially shout out to the amazing, talented girls out there that uh, make the Utah Girls Football League what it is today, which is an exciting brand and awesome average football. So if you guys missed any game, as Chris says here, you can go to the Utah Girls Football League, and it's right there, and uh, really awesome replays on there as well. And thank you. Thank you for having me. Chris, thank you very much. Have a safe uh, stay at home and uh, stay COVID-free, and uh, we look forward to the uh, the next installment of the next season and the excitement that's going to be built up for the next season. Uh, Hopefully, you know, 2021, we get this COVID thing out of the way and everything's good to go and we're back to some normality of uh, just happiness and joy for playing sport. Yes, I'm going to put it out there. All right, Chris, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate you making your time for us. You're welcome. You have a wonderful day or evening, I should say. Thank you. Have a great night. Safe travels. Thank you. All right, bye. All right, guys, that was uh, Chris Sacco from the Utah Girls uh, Football League. You guys can go on Facebook at Utah Girls Football League. Uh, I believe on Twitter it's at uh, Utah GFL, as well as on Instagram, Utah Girls Football League. So check her out. Uh, check the league out. Sam Gordon's uh, was the one that started it all. Her father as well now working some things internally with um, – legality to try to get the girls on a high school level, junior level as well, including Dion Lee. We just talked about a little bit about Liz Sowers and Angelica Grayson with the NAIA college football scene, how that's going to evolve. The opportunity is going to be there for these girls to jump into that capacity or even, you know, some of these girls we might see in a future se- future seasons in the three major leagues in the States, which is the WFLA, the WFA, and the WNFC. So uh, there's opportunity for them to show up in uh, one of these leagues, major platform leagues, and uh, then we'll be talking about it. Like, as a profile, we're going to say, oh, you know, certain certain girls came from Hammerman, uh, Hammerman uh, Elementary School out of Utah. And there you go, in uh, certain high schools from Utah. So it's going to be really awesome to think about that and how we 
kind of like build on that as well. So shout out to, like I said, Chris Sacco, uh, Brent Gordon, and all everybody, the co-founders, plus the amazing athletes, all the girls out there. Shout out to all the girls of the Utah Girls Football League for doing an amazing job this season. Win, winners and losers, doesn't matter. Everybody was a winner this this season because we put out a great brand of football for us fans that were just hungry for football. So appreciate you guys playing your hearts out. Congratulations to the winners out there in the Utah Girls Football League. All right, guys, moving forward, uh, we have the uh, IWFA Week 7 before we get out of here, the Icon Women's Football Association. We talked to Michelle Marshall last weekend. Phoebe Sketcher as well was here. So if you missed the podcast, you can get the replays on uh, iTunes, Apple, and iHeart, including uh, Spotify as well. So check out our previous podcast as well, 324, 325, uh, with the amazing uh, Daniel Harvey, Sherry Waga, and Adrian Smith. And then we also had uh, Barry Lieberman coming in to talk about Born to Play. So if you missed any of our podcasts, subscribe, get it on replays, appreciate it, and uh, go there on iHeart, Apple, or Spotify. All right, so IWFA Week 7, the San Antonio, Texas Legacy 38 to 13. They take care of the Coastal Bend Legion. They are ready for a clash with the Austin Ravens. I can tell you that for sure. Then Harlingen Hive, 38. Lose, uh, they lose 38, uh, 60 to 38 against River City Warriors. This is going to be a great matchup, a rematch this coming week, uh, uh, August 8th. Playoff uh, for the fourth seed into the playoff seed. Top four teams get in. They are, have to battle it out to see who will be the fourth seed. So it's a rematch, Harlingen versus River City Warriors coming up here on August 8th. And then August 15th, it'll be uh, the playoffs and itself, the semifinals, uh, number one versus number three, as it stands right now, Austin Ravens taking on uh, Coastal Bend Legion. Once again, a rematch of that 84-8 spanking. Can the Legion really bring their heat this game when it counts uh, to upset the Ravens to go to the finals. San Antonio Texas Legacy would be number two seeded right now currently, and the winner of Harlingen River City Warriors will get the bid to face the San Antonio Texas Legacy. So the favorites, as it stands right now, uh, for the IWFA championship, it's going to be uh, Texas Ravens, the Austin Texas Ravens uh, against the San Antonio Texas Legacy. So the Austin Ravens, San Antonio Texas Legacy, one and two is what we are predicting that will be the final. Stranger things have happened. It could be a upset of types if the Coastal Bend Legion would like their revenge, their revenge in the most crucial time of all, which is the semifinals against the Austin Ravens. And then if Harlingen or River City decide to kind of surprise us against San Antonio Texas Legacy, there we have it. There could be the concern there, but highly doubt it. And it looks like the class will be Austin versus San Antonio, uh, San Antonio Texas Legacy. We look forward to this weekend's rematch, Harlingen versus River City, to see who really wants the fourth seed to represent in the semifinals. So look forward to that as well. We talked about the uh, Finland 
season week two. You get the recap at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grid iron beauties and uh, Helsinki 14 to zero shutout of Turku Trojans. It was the Tampere uh, Saints rebounding 13 to six against the West Coast Phoenix. So look forward to week three. And then it's going to be the semifinals coming up as well. Uh, week two, Division One, really interesting. It's uh, Bouncers uh, versus Coda Eagles. You can get the highlights via huddle.com, courtesy of the bouncers.com uh, site. You get the highlights there from the Bouncers versus Eagles. And then uh, live stream by livesportnow.com as well. The Hamanolina Tigers taking on the Loya Lionenses. And uh, shout-out to our Ellie Metzola out there from uh, the Lionesses. Um, it was basically YouTubed over Lions, uh, Lionesses Tube. And you can get the link there at Lionesses Tube on YouTube. So get the matchups coming in here. Uh, Tampiri will be taking on Helsinki this coming weekend, August 5th. Um, or I'm sorry, August, uh, yeah, August 5th and 7th. Uh, August 15th and 17th, I'm sorry. Tampere versus Helsinki. Turku versus West Coast Phoenix. So that's the standings. That's what's going to be happening in terms of the Finnish uh, season at this point. The Division One season really goes a little longer than the Maple League season. Maple League only four weeks, and then you get the semifinals. So at this point, week three, August 7th, August 8th, and I believe August 9th, we are looking at Toka, uh, the Koka Eagles, taking on Wolverine uh, Wolverine Blue. Uh, Eagles 1-1 one and one coming into this battle, looking for their second win of the season. Wolverine Blue is looking for their first win after that 51-0 spanking uh, that they took in week one. Then uh, on the eighth, we have this Santa Yoko Crocodiles taking on Loya Linuses. 0-1 Linuses lost 30-8 to this past weekend. Look for a rebound game against uh, the Crocodiles. Crocodiles are 0-2. They had um, a 30-6 in Week 2 loss, and then they also got beat 36-12 to in Week 1. So they need are looking for a really big win. Um, then you got on the ninth, you got the Bouncers, 2-0, undefeated, reigning champs, taking on Northern Lights, 1-1. So at this point, the Lights looking for a rebound, uh, back-to-back wins. Taking on the bouncers, that's going to be a tough task as well. Uh, week three, you have the Hamanolina Tigers off for that week, but they get to prepare for the bouncers in week four, which is August 16th. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, the two teams are going to be clashing, two of the best teams right now in the Division One Finnish League. So really exciting times there. The season will end on August uh, August twenty, August twentieth and twenty second. That and then the playoffs will kick off on the twenty ninth and the thirtieth, with the final semifinals happening on, I believe, the fifth. Um, so it'll be on nine five, and then the championship should be in the middle of September. So pretty exciting times. Uh, thanks to Chris Sacco for coming in today. We didn't have our co-host today, unfortunately. Um, they're all occupied with other things that happen. And so we look forward to them coming back next week. But we'll be uh, looking forward to the excitement that's happening in Finland with the Maple League as well as Division One and the IWFA uh, playoff picture after this weekend to see if Harlingen or River City get that fourth seed. So I really, really appreciate you guys 
uh, tuning in today. And if you guys uh, haven't done anything, but go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Cordon Beauties. If you haven't visited our IG page, check it out. Uh, Janika Nikander of the Wolverines Gold is the highlight player. If you go to our No Joke Football page, IG, you get to check out the uh, amazing and beautiful Dorian Bridges and the talented Lexi DeMeo as well. So check it out on our IG page. Keep it, keep up with us, and you can go to our uh, No Joke Football page on Facebook, or you can visit our shop at Facebook uh, link there with the Shop Now tab, or go directly at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauty. So for the absent Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you here next week for 333. Have a great night, everybody.